Welcome to Boom Talk Studios, Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 1, the season premiere. Welcome back, folks, on a Friday evening, the second day of the NCAA tournament, among other things. Incredible week in sports, so much to talk about. Really psyched to be back here doing this again for a fourth season, promising this season is going to be the best one yet. Definitely. We're definitely going to up our game. You'll see. But in the meanwhile, thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com, Mixler, for providing us the wonderful music that we use in the podcast. Thank the folks at Rode and Zoom for providing tools for content creation for folks like myself all over the world. Unlimited budgets. Okay, folks. Well, big surprise here. Not quite. <laughs> you know, I've been saying that we're going to, you know, phase out this segment, but it's not going anywhere. New season, same old beat. And what does that mean? The COVID Chronicles. Well, you know, in recent weeks, COVID had been, shall we say, I don't know, I guess supply of clear and cream in the HGH must have been low. But you know what? They're still managing ways to um, stay in the news. I was really surprised when I was like putting together this segment and thinking, you know, what am I going to mix it up with as we start to pivot away from this? But what this week tells me and certain things that are lurking on the periphery I don't know if we are in a position to say we are moving past any of this at this current time. So what do we got this week? Well, like I told you, this is, you know, one of the more exciting times of the year for the hardcore and casual sports fan with the NCAA tournament. We're in day two. And big thing of note here, on the one hand, there's zero protocols at the tournament. Zero. Vax, unvax, whatever the case may be, which I find that very interesting. As you know, there are signs that say that this is not going away, and this isn't an indoor place with lots of young people, lots of people traveling. Be curious to see what kind of data we get from this particular event over the course of the next couple of weeks in terms of how the kind of progress we think we are making. Speaking of, the ongoing thing in New York is really interesting. I know that uh, you know, people have been really going crazy on the court lately as far as putting the ball in the net. Well, we've talked endlessly about Mr. Kyrie, Kyrie, oh Kyrie. And Durant had an interesting thing to say this past week. KD basically comes out and tells the mayor of New York to basically knock it off with this nonsense as far as the ridiculous vax mandate that we've talked about in terms of you know, the condition of employment. Because, you know, there was the optic of Kyrie being in the Barclays Center watching a college game and then not being able to play the next day. And I know, obviously... The Nets got in trouble because Kyrie was in the locker room following the game. Basically, New York's mayor, Adams, has pushed back. 
He's basically saying that he will not be influenced or intimidated, basically, by the sports teams. You know, when it is time to lift all mandates as far as vaccines and masks and those sort of things go for New York City, he's going to make that call, you know, based on the science and, you know, based on reports from, you know, the people who were advising him and all the data, blah, 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 blah. But basically, yeah, this whole thing, you know, with the Nets, it may not resolve itself anytime soon. And this is not just them, because it comes, we come to find out, as far as New York is concerned, it, it, with baseball strikes, we told you last week, being resolved, this applies to the the Yankees and, and Mets, as far as there were games at Yankee Stadium and City Phil. And that can be a problem, especially like with the Mets, not the Mets, well, I mean the Yankees, excuse me, Aaron Judge. Yes, that Aaron Judge. Even though, like most people who are unvaxxed, he's trying to be kind of coy and quiet about it, he's not vaccinated, which means he will not be able to play any of the homestands when baseball opens up on April 7th. And that also goes for Anthony Rizzo, who was just acquired in one of the moves as the Mets. And, I mean, the Yankees look at me. <laughs> Brains all scrambled today for tumultuous day. But yes, Mr. Rizzo, he's also unvaxxed. So that could be two major cogs out of the Yankees lineup while New York City figures out where they're going next with all of this. Crazy stuff. So another interesting thing that kind of happened this past week as far as on, on the COVID beat, um, the Joker, you know, right? We can't, It's kind of at a point now where we don't go a week without talking about him. And this past week, the word of the street is now with the relaxation of vaccine mandates in certain places in the world, apparently France being one of them, he may be able to play in the French Open. Now, obviously, England and the United States, I don't know if they're... At, we'll have to see how it plays, but this is obviously the next major or Grand Slam event, and it looks like from what I'm seeing, he's actually going to be able to compete. When the word was that they were not going to allow him to enter France as long as he was unvaccinated or and compete. Stay tuned. We'll see how this one plays out in the coming weeks. Um, as far as, you know, around the world, yeah, because you didn't have too many people, coaches and players here on the domestic side. You still have some stuff going on globally. And, you know, I always talk about PSG and all of their outbreaks. Now, Bayern Munich seems to be a club that seems to have a lot of their big-name players coming down with this. And this would be Benjamin Babber being the next, latest to test positive for COVID-19 and now a sideline, you know, dealing with the health and safety protocols that you would see in the Bundesliga. And then I told you last week about uh, the F1 racer because they're getting ready to kick off the season over there in the Middle East. Well, Sebastian Vettel becomes the latest F1 driver to test positive, and so he will be out of the the, the BGP, the first event that's going to happen this weekend over there in the Middle East. Still down there in Australia, major outbreak that's wreaking havoc as far as the AFL is concerned. So, yeah, the war I'm getting at to close this segment off 
as you know, we're hoping to sort of have this morph into something else. I don't see that happening. In fact, you know, there was all kinds of conversations about mutations starting to ha see cases ramp up everywhere else. It's getting warmer. People are traveling all over the place. People are outside, indoors, going to shows. Yeah, I have a feeling this next two months is going to be interesting. I said, you know, I think last week or maybe the week before that, that I wouldn't be surprised if we see a scaling back by Memorial Day. I really hope I am wrong about this. But I just get the strange feeling that every time we move into a new phase, like we are have been, or some states definitely are, I know here we are not having to wear a mask indoors, and I know that a lot of people still are doing that, but just in general... As we, you know, take that giant leap forward, is it going to be two steps backwards again in a month or two if cases start to ramp up? So we'll see how, what happens with this segment next week. Okay, we'll be back with a 43K view on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 1, Season Premiere, Number 97 overall, giving Cornelius Bennett some love. Alright folks, since it's at night and we're all in chill mode, just poured myself a tasty adult beverage. Instead of going through TSA, we're going to hang out in the 19th hole and take the drones out for a little night flying. Take our 43K view above campus, where obviously, as we talked about in the previous segment, it's the NCAA tournament. So, this big event, a lot of cool stuff going on. Always a wonderful time where the casual and hardcore fans lock arms uh, and the orgy of a couple of weeks celebration of college hoops. Some people think it's the best competition in all of sports. I Beg to differ, but still, nonetheless, it's a wonderful time for the sports fan. So what do we got going this week? Well, we'll start off with kind of the story that's that's lingering in the background. You know, like that last piece of pizza that's been sitting on, in, in the box for like three or four hours, but nobody wants to get near. And that's with the NCAA Women's Swimming Championships, where the whole transgender come, question comes up. And Leah Thomas, who has won some events and is competitive, and others. Well, it's not going over with too many people from the competitive standpoint, as we've brought up. And other folks who feel that, you know, this is a great moment for transgender rights. Well, we're not here to argue either one of that. More or less, you know what, some people are trying to come about a happy medium. You know, do we need to create some kind of open division that sort of addresses this? Which would be kind of interesting. I mean, I know that some people would scream and holler that we're segregating and segmenting people. But however, you know, this, you know, the, the, People aren't taking this sitting down. I don't think we know really how to adequately address it. I know you saw Caitlyn Jenner, if you didn't, came out pretty quickly about defending the rights of women, you know, and sticking it up. And, you know, sort of slanting in that direction, which I kind of want to stay away from. But the point being is, uh, 
seen some of the competitors who've been in tears about how unfair it is. So, as we've been saying all along with this one, definitely going to um, be a riveting dialogue, you know, moving forward, how this gets addressed. And I feel like as many things that have been changing in the college landscape that we've been talking about since the beginning in season one, yeah, there's going to have to be some tweaking. There's going to have to be some discussions, and we're going to have to, uh, you know, come to some, you know, hard decisions on how to make this make sense and fair on a lot of levels. Okay, speaking of the whole NIL thing that we love talking about, yeah, a little a little ripple going on there. The Cavender twins, you know, those blonde starlets, Heidi and Harley, or no, Har no, Haley and Hannah. Yes, in a Fresno State, the blondies, who've been making all that mad loot. Well, apparently they've entered the transfer portal. And as somebody who knows about the 209 and the 559, me is thinking that they've got the, they've got their star is too bright for Fresno, and they probably want to take their game someplace else where they can cash in on even better opportunities. And this is the kind of world we're talking about, folks. We talked about it last week about the whole eight million dollar deal that, that that somebody has signed, and these girls looking to um, bank on their likeness a bit more in, in a situation that I'm sure will give them more opportunities. Just shows you the times are changing, as, as Mr. Zimmerman sung long ago. Isn't it interesting that Dion, who's you know obviously been in the news quite a bit, you know the whole thing about having his toes amputated, being courted by Power Five schools and not wanting to go there, so he claims, but apparently now he is being sued from the uh, people who put on the Southern Heritage Classic. And I think it's, you know, when Jackson State plays Tennessee State, I believe it is. And basically, Dion just came out just being a realist as he is and calls it a waste of time and that it's not even worth the travel there in terms of the, the expenses incurred. Well, that has uh, rubbed some people the wrong way in terms of wanting to promote the cause of the HBCUs and then how this came to showcase for it. And so they are suing him. Oh, oh, people, can't we all just get along, especially when it comes to things like this? Yeah, I think you got better things to do as far as promoting the brand than getting it to Dion. I mean, Dion's going to say what he's going to say because he's primetime, yeah? Okay, so let's talk some hoops here while we're digesting it. A lot going on right now before my very eyes. Nothing scary. Well, we see the number 14 Colgate uh, it has a three-point lead over Wisconsin. That could be kind of interesting. And Davidson has actually got the lead as well. So we'll see how that goes as, as my podcast moves along on this fine Friday evening. So the top seeds, basically, for the men were, the, were, were Gonzaga. No surprise there. Arizona, Kansas, and Baylor. Yeah. You know, so I think as far as after the 68, you had, um, you know, Louisville, Stanford, South Carolina, North Carolina State, with obviously South Carolina being head and shoulders of everybody else on the women's side of the equation. Had the play-in games with the Hoosiers, Texas Southern, Wright State, and Notre Dame, who needed two overtimes to get past Rutgers to set everything up. We get to day one. 
big shocker always when a number 15 can knock off a number two. You know, I've always wanted my off-brand school, which would be a 16 or a 15, to be one of these schools. But great moment for St. Peter's as they shock number two, Kentucky and Coach Cal and send them packing 85-79. I was like watching that game and was thinking, oh, this is just one of those games of weird start time where at some point, you know, Kentucky puts its foot down, and I thought they did. And the funny thing is, is I was watching um, the Galazzo show at the same time yesterday. So watching a UEL. And I, you know, look, look over my shoulder. I'm like, what the heck is going on? How's this game in overtime? And then just kind of watching uh, Kentucky meltdown as we've seen more often than not, you know, in Coach Cal's tenure there. But yeah, it's a great story for Davis as far as knocking off Goliath. I mean, and this is pretty, you know, one of those upsets. I mean, it's, it's happened before, and we've also had a 1-16, but the proportion-wise of the kind of money that Kentucky spends on its whole program compared to what these guys at St. Peter's have, yeah, it is truly a David Goliath story. And it does pay, you know, pay some credence to those who do think this is one of the better competitions in all of sports. You know, it was one of those few opportunities that you get to see a great story like this. So props to them. In fact, you know, I think, you know, we may have to just reach over, give these folks a little bit love for slaying the giant, shall we? A little bit slow, but we're getting there today. So what else do we have? Um, As far as upsets go, you got the number 11 Wolverines with my man, Back from his exile for being a bad boy. They knock off Colorado State in the South region. Number 12, Richmond. This is another great story. They do it again as a 12 seed. Knocking off number 5, Iowa. Good friend of ours. Not happy about it. But the amazing thing about this that this is the ninth time that Richmond has won a game as a 12th or lower seed. What the hell is up with that kind of That's amazing. Very amazing. Props to them as well. The other outstanding that happened yesterday would be number 12, New Mexico State, knocking off number 5, UConn. Today, number 10, USC, stuns USC. Not, I shouldn't say that's too much of a surprise because I figure SC gets in the tournament and becomes a paper tiger. But that was in the Midwest region. Number 11, the play-in Notre Dame, knocking off Bama, right? Knocking off number 6, Bama, and that's in the West region. And just finishing when I went when I just started this podcast, number eleven, Iowa State knocking off number six LSU. And of course, during the week, as far as coaches go, some people are hitting the or hit or, or uh, hitting the unemployment line and filing their claims. Uh, Mississippi's Howland, you know, who used to coach at UCLA, Tom Cream, who should have been ran a while ago. People think he should be back in the booth. Cat LSU, expect more pink slips to come in the week to come. Not a lot of other wild stuff as the tournament obviously shifts, you know, everyone's focus. You know, there's some great articles about the strides in terms of making this an equal production, men and women. You know, we'll get into a little bit of that later as far as where we were last year. Anyways, all right, folks, we will be back with uh, some interesting stuff on the other side.
Welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 1, 97 overall. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Really grooving on some NCAA action. Both screens are going. I have to switch up here at the timeout because there's some closer games going as opposed to the two blowouts that I'm watching. Anyhow, before I do that, we're going to do something that we love every week called Something You Should Probably Know or Things That Went On in the World of Sports You Might Want to Hear or Know About. So where do we start? Well, let's start with Naomi Osaka. I had mentioned it briefly last week on my way out about her having another meltdown. And, you know, tried to, I, I wanted to, like, get the data and properly process it before, you know, sticking my foot in my mouth and saying something that might be deemed as insensitive because we're trying to have an understanding. But, you know, as I looked into this, the more I scratched my head that, yeah, it was uh, apparently one or two hecklers and, you know, she felt the need to break down and cry and lecture them. And on the one hand, I understand that. But at some point when you're at these events, given how jaded and how sour people are, you are going to have to have a, a thicker skin, you know, especially, you know, the more you push back and try to show what pain you're going in, the more these people are going to pounce because they see it as a, as a form of weakness. I don't know what the answer is here, especially if you're going to compete in these events. You know, maybe take more time off or maybe walk away. You've definitely probably made enough centavos to enjoy and, you know, actually educate folks on these sort of things because, I mean, you're really in kind of a rock and a hard place here because you know the more that um, they can get under your skin, they're going to push every button possible. You know, right? Speaking of, you know, the, the other situation as far as tennis goes, it, it, the whole situation with this war thing is, is it rages on for another week. And, you know, the scenes, plenty of people out there chronicling that. We're not going to get too deep other than what how it's affecting sport. And, you know, one, another shot across the bow, as we've told you about the beautiful game, and we'll mention a few things in a minute about that. Russian tennis player, Daniel Medvedev, they're saying he may not be able to compete at Wimbledon if he does not publicly renounce Putin. Yeah, I guess it's come to that. You know, if you're from there, I mean, obviously we've had some situations with soccer. Like I said, I'll bring that up. But now the pressure is that if we don't publicly denounce them, then we're not going to let you compete. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting slope now, isn't, now, isn't it? I mean, the sanctions are one thing, but... Um, how they move forward with enforcing that. And it's going to be another one of those interesting things and an interesting, if not dangerous, precedent that we would see, you know, moving forward in terms of, you know, right, using sports as that weapon, as we always keep bringing up. And this was the year, as we told you way back in January, and yeah, it just, it's just going to get more intense from here. Um, speaking about that, you know, the whole thing we spoke about, Brittany G, you know, Brittany Greener. Brittany Greener. Well, apparently, news came across the board yesterday that her 
detention over there for having concentrates we spoke about is going to extend till May 19. Word is she is doing fine, but yet, once again, being used as a weapon. I'm going to make her cooler hills for another two months. Hopefully for Brittany, this thing gets resolved a lot sooner than that. Because, like, you know, I mean, I'm sure they don't want to. They're not. I, I would imagine they're not mistreating her, but I have to imagine just the amount of frustration and uncertainty there. Yeah, yeah, definitely feel for her. And, you know, we want, want to see her get back stateside as soon as possible because this is not cool. But, you know, once again, that's, you know, the danger that you um, put yourself in when you are handling things that are illegal in another country. Well, they do, well, they're less forgiving, especially in a time of war. Crazy situation all the way around. Okay, let's talk about something more positive. You know, they were out, they were out at, you know, at the TPC, one of my favorite events, as I spoke to you about how I, I think it should be later in the year. Nonetheless, Cameron Smith does win the Players' Championship by one stroke. Weather was a big factor there. I think you saw, what was it, on Saturday, all those balls that ended up in the drink because of the winds. A little drama over there. Speaking of, of the tour, we got some more data on the Breakaway Golf League that Greg Norman and the folks in the Middle East are putting together. Apparently now we have some parameters that, are, that we can talk about. There'll be eight events, and there'll be apparently in these eight events a total of $255 million in prize money awarded. So we'll see if that's enough of an enticement to get people to go on this outlaw. Just like the Super League, it's not going away, folks, as long as there's money there to get the premium talent and create premium events. You know, we'll see how the working class and everyday person, you know, reacts to this thing. It's just, as we've seen over the beautiful game, it's not going away. And people have deep blockers, as we'll, we'll get to as this segment moves more further along. Okay. Let's see here. What else do we have here? Um, on the on the track, NASCAR's big event. No IndyCar, no F1. We had NASCAR. They were down in Phoenix, and Chase Briscoe's late charge allows him to take the checkered flag there. Happy, I'm sure. You know, right? That whole family of folks, and the you know Nicole Briscoe, who who, who he's also related to. They they all had a couple of drinks. Yeah, yeah. UFC. Fight night, Vegas had a battle of light heavyweights. Diago Santos defeats Magomed Ankalov by decision. Ankalov's first loss in 18 fights. I thought that was pretty interesting. Haven't talked about the NHL in a hot minute or so. Um, let's just go with the power rankings right now. And they've kind of moved a little bit since we've last talked, but pretty much the same sub, uh, suspects. With the Avs on top, got Carolina at two, solid season over there. You know, the Panthers there are three. Calgary, who moved up into the top five a few weeks ago, is, 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 is holding firm. And then you have the defending champs at five, lurking as always. Okay, folks, kind of was quickly with that. Now that baseball is back, we will be back with the night full of diamonds.
Welcome back to Fox Trotting in the Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 1, 97 overall. Giving some Cordelius Bennett some love. Think of another 97 while, uh, along the way, I'm sure. Uh, let's see here. What do we got here? Okay, so we told you last week that baseball strike is over. And as soon as that happened, well, the floodgates opened. Of course, that we'd know we'd be talking more about it if the NFL, being the attention horse that they always will be, didn't steal the thunder. But nonetheless, there were some things going on that are setting us up for the April seventh opener. As I told you last week, still not feeling the National League adopting the designated hitter. I'm just still that's a big WTF. Don't care about the big bases. Don't give a rat's boo-boo about the uh, pitch clock. I mean, whatever the case may be. As I said before, you don't have to overthink yourself. But, yes, we have labor peace. So what does that mean? Well, we always talk about Anthony Davis being the glass house. I think baseball's got themselves a nice soft glass piece they need to start worrying about. And we're talking about the, th the $300-plus-million-dollar man in France. Cisco Tatis Jr., who is injured again. And this time it might be for some tomfoolery on a motorcycle. Point being is, I thought about this prior to him signing the contract, after signing the contract, that, man, you're putting a lot of money, you're shoveling a lot of money for somebody who seems to have this glass house thing about him. Yes, when he's on the field, he definitely dazzles. But keeping this guy healthy, and obviously, if this was something that was non-baseball related, even a bigger headache for this young, you know, superstar in the making. Anyhow, kind of a kind of kind of an elbow to the cheekbone for the Padres. Well, at least the Padres were able to pick up um, Yankees first baseman Luke Voigt in a trade to, to sort of soothe the, the blow. What else do we have as far as baseball goes? Big move for those folks in D.C. as they look to regain the glory that they enjoyed prior to the pandemic. And they bring Nelson Cruz to D.C. to enjoy that excitement that, that Ovi and hopefully the commanders will be bringing this fall as well. But I think that's a big signing for them as far as adding their back, back to the lineup. Another big signing well, right, that has at least the baseball insiders kind of scratching their heads. Is Chris Bryant. Yes, that Chris Bryant, formerly of the Cubs, formerly of the Giants recently, now going to the Rockies, seven years, 162, uh, seven years, $182 million. Big contract. Not sure what the Rockies and what kind of plan they have there, but hey, they have obviously attracted themselves a big time talent bringing Chris Bryant there. And I know the ladies in Denver will be happy as well because he's very popular with them. Indeed he is. Um, okay. Big move as far as Domino's fall. I mean, obviously told you Kershaw re-upping with the Dodgers. But I don't know. The world really wasn't ready, even though it seemed like the talk that was going to happen was imminent. But yes, Freddie Freeman, that Freddie Freeman, leaves the champion Braves to join the Dodgers, who he vanquished in the playoffs last year. And oh my, the baseball world really came out, lost its mind. 
you know, one of the main things, like I was listening to um, one of the East Coast stations yesterday, getting some football data, and first thing that comes out of their mouth, how come the Dodgers do not get broiled like the Yankees do for always snapping up the big league talent? I thought, is that sour grapes, or is there some validity to it? Well, when you look at some of the acquisitions that Dodgers made, you can kind of make that argument. But when you look at some of the, all of the homegrown pieces they have, it's been a nice hybrid of what the Dodgers have done. You know, kind of like the Yankees did way, you know, in, in the second incarnation, which they were more successful than they were in the 70s. But yeah, I, I get it, you know. And whether we're talking the 40K, 43K view, you know, unlike the NFL, where the where the where the where wisely they instituted a form of socialism that allows everybody to be healthy as long as you've got smart people, but there's definitely the haves and half nots. Is it, it, it will be, and you know, they, I I understand people's frustration. You know, like especially like let's say in the D.C. area, where they weren't able to keep Max or or Trey Turner. And now seeing the Dodgers, you know, again, you know, all of a sudden there's like, everybody's like, well, what's going to happen? You lost Corey. You lost, you're going to lose Kershaw. Now you get Kershaw, you have Freddie Freeman. And then all of a sudden the Dodgers and the odds makers are like, going, well, hot darn. You know, speaking of the Dodgers, the Trevor Bauer thing still unresolved. I think the administrative leave has been extended to April 16th. Gotta believe now that they have Freddie Freeman and you don't have Mad Max that somehow they're gonna have to make amends to this guy because hey, if you're gonna make a run and add more rings, you're in position to do it somehow and make peace with this guy, you would think. You know, especially with some of the events that have just gone on in the past 24 to 48 hours, you would think that's gonna be the case, but you never know how the pendulum is going to swing and how his teammates are going to act. Something that we have been looking at and we will probably continue to. Um, and let's see here. As we're obviously getting warmed up with baseball, so things that we'll be talking about, hopefully getting some people on here this season actually to get some real good, you know, analysis at least once or twice a month. You know, obviously with all the things I'm tied into, I can't really dig into it the way I would like to. So I'm really so if you're interested, FTINFX at gmail.com. If you ever want to come on the show or sponsor it. Exactly. Follow those things and please, you know, we're gonna do some cool things here. I, I I promise you that. Okay. What was I about to say? Oh yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, the it's just the the the, the, the Fry Right? Not, not the hairs. Basically coming out and saying they are not trying to win an arms race with Mr. Cohen. That Mr. Cohen is doing his thing and we're doing our thing. Well, as much as I would love to believe that, I don't. It's Gotham. And even though L.A. in some ways rivals that in the sports world and for its different attributes, Gotham is still Gotham. And the idea that you weren't paying attention to what the Mets are doing over in City Field is absolutely asinine. And you must think we're idiots to believe otherwise. And the idea of the Mets 
becoming relevant again before you, especially since you haven't won a ring since twenty since twenty oh nine. Come on now. It's okay to say, yeah, right, you know, I want to make sure we get back to relevance before they do. And I mean relevance winning in New York, which nobody really has been doing a lot of, by the way, in recent years. But yeah, come on, dude, you're not going to convince any of us that you're not in the arms race as far as that goes. Yeah, and I just kind of love, though, how quickly things have moved since you know the word got out and we achieved peace and yeah it's too bad that a lot of things are kind of happening in the in the backdrop because the nfl which we'll get into shortly right it, it just shows you how it's head and shoulders above you know, baseball, and that's something that it wasn't when I was growing up, you know, and I don't think baseball is not relevant by any stretch of the imagination, but it just gives you some perspective in terms of how things have changed. If you've been following, you know, the the way the media has ha been handling transactions, because I mean, I, these guys were locked down for quite a bit, even though not as long as Tom Brady's you know, retirement, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay, folks, enough rambling. We will be back after I have some adult beverages and, and adjust. Alrighty, welcome back to Boom Talk Studios, Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 1, the season premiere, Ken Harlan, your faithful host here, watching TCU dismantle Seton Hall, can't see what's going on over my shoulder, Wisconsin and Colgate 28, 28 and a half, yeah, Davidson looks like they're not going to pull off the upset. Alrighty, so let's talk some association, shall we? You know, it's always weird with the tournament going on because the NBA sort of like, you know, hits the back burner, you know, right? You even got, you know, the main TNT and NBA guys, and along with college guys, doing most of the games in the tournament, especially in the early rounds. Nonetheless, a lot going on right now. I always like to say the NBA is a very impressionable league. What do I mean by impressionable? Meaning somebody will go off one night and someone says, oh yeah, hold my beer, watch this. We talked last week about the barrage of 50s. Well, okay, you know what? We've had now, what, nine people this month go for 50 or more? which is crazy. KD dropped 53 points. I told talked about earlier his rant about the whole ending the vaccine mandate nonsense in New York City. Um, you know. But the thing is, he goes for 53. Then Carl Anthony Thomas says, hold, watch, hold my beer, watch this. He goes for 60-17, including 32 in the third quarter. He's also 7 from 11 behind the arc. I mean, yeah, right? And then Kyrie goes for 60 the next night. 
Yeah, right? Kyrie saying, hey, hold on, Katie. Check this out. Curry, by the way, went for 47 that night just for, you know, for what it's worth. Oops, excuse me. I'd be hearing a little rattle. Can't stop shaking and hitting the table. I mean, even Sadiq Bay last night went for 51. I'm like, who, who the hell is Sadiq Bay? Which for the Pistons. Went for like 51 off the radar. Some people was watching the tournament. Pistons in Orlando. So all these people putting up these insane numbers. Pretty crazy, huh? It's wonderful. But once again, excessive, you know, oh, well, you were impressed by that? Well, watch this. I like the competitive juices that these guys take it upon themselves and just and get really inspired to go out there and light it up. And right now we are seeing some really phenomenal stuff as far as, you know, the talent in this league, you know, putting on a showcase. I mean, that's what this time of year should be all about, especially competing for eyes with the NCAA tournament. But just, I mean, I think LeBron, when he went for 50 twice in that window, you know, obviously he just said, yo, wait a minute, you, 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 old man, let me show you what's up. I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, also, another interesting thing, call it wonderful, call it cheesy. What do you think about KG and Ray Ray? That's right. Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen throwing it all up at K with a uh, hoisted KG's number five in the rafters of Boston Garden. You know, those two had a riff. I mean, you know what? After a while, especially if you went to war and you won jewelry, and I'm one of those people that say that you play for jewelry, you got to get past a lot of this petty nonsense, I got to feel. You know, unless you like, you know, got it on with the dude's lady or some, you know, or, or you know, ratted about like, like uh, D'Angelo did with Nick Young, didn't do anything like that, most of this BS can be overcome. You know, that was one of the things that Kobe and Shaq were always lamented as far as letting their pettiness and stupidity get in the way of their friendship and all the good times they could have had, you know, had they not wasted time being petty. Yeah? All right. What else do we have here? Okay, the Lakers suck. No need to say much more about that. They did win tonight. Got a very gutsy win on the road in Toronto in overtime. What are they, 30 and 40? You know what they say? <laughs> as bad as defense as they play, they are unwatchable. And yes, me as a Lakers fan, I have been watching. Um, big thing to watch this week had been Dallas. Obviously letting them, you know, Spencer D., Letting folks know who got the better end of that trade as he hits back-to-back -back buzzer beaters, in fact, and beating KD in one of those, which was pretty epic, right? You know, this is obviously Kyrie didn't play. There's no clanking bin yet, I might add. Still waiting to see some clanking bin. No AD, no no Kendrick Nunn. A lot of these people still playing Claude Rains. No appearances to speak of. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have? Um, Boston smacking down Golden State in San Francisco Thursday night. And then the fallout from that, Curry hurting his foot. And they think he'll be back by the playoffs, but there is some question. And that's kind of interesting when you think that they had finally gotten to a point where they had Draymond, Clay, and Steph on the court. And Steph 
has a foot injury. I think it's a har- it's a bad sign and a harbinger of things to come for the Warriors as far as not being healthy enough. I think when they're healthy, they can compete easily with what the Nets or the Sixers or Miami. I think they're, they're right now the stronger teams, and even you know the Suns. I mean, the stronger teams are in the East, but if any one of those three, and my my suspicions that Clay is going to be the healthiest one of the three, how that's even possible, the journey that he's been on, that's what I'm seeing in my crystal ball right now, in terms of the Warriors' chances to be able to win it all. Yes, indeed. So what else do we have here as far as NBA goes? Let's take a quick look at what happened tonight, shall we? Told you about the Lakers. The Celtics continuing to ball out at 42-28. and 28. We had a big matchup tonight in Phoenix as far as potential hopefuls as far as winning the NBA crumb. We've been talking about the Bulls have been fading a little bit. And right now, getting ran basically in the Valley of the Sun, losing by 19. Sixers and Mavs had a big matchup tonight with Joel Embiid being Joel Embiid, 32-8, getting a big win, cooling down the Mavericks, who had some big wins. I mean, that, you know, in spite of, I was just talking about Spencer D. How about the way Luka was balling, going toe-to-toe with KD? That's some great stuff to watch. Kind of a shocker, the, the Hawks, who've been just, you know, fair to middling, getting a big win over the Grizzlies tonight. Huge win. And you have also, let's see here. Oh, Jazz beating the Clippers, not a big deal, big deal there. The Heat getting the win. Cavaliers getting the big win at the Nuggets, so. I mean, Joker going for 32, but it doesn't matter because marketing's 31 is enough. And Cavs get a big win, and they're at 40-30. So looking good there. Okay, folks, that's what's happening in the NBA tonight. Getting closer and closer to the playoffs. And once this tournament dies down, it's going to be, you know, a, a primary focus. All right. We'll be back with a beautiful game life on the other side. Alrighty, welcome back to Fox Trading in a Foxhole. Season premiere, season four. A lot of big things happening coming up in this season four. Looking so forward to it. It's going to be the best season yet. Getting ready to make some great things happen on the scene. Secured some great interviews coming up here in April for some wonderful things that are happening here locally. So stay tuned, folks, as far as the FTIN FX bandwagon is concerned. Tell your friends to hop on. Always want to see our listenership grow. Okay. Now let's take a dive into the beautiful game life, shall we? So much going on there. This is the time of year where everything is popping. Domestic. Club play. International play coming up. Just a lot of wonderful things. Where should we start? Let's start with Frostbite Gate, shall we? I'm not even sure what to make of this whole thing with Matt Turner 
And we talked a few weeks back in the last round, playing in those frigid temperatures, trying to play mind games. Apparently, Matt Turner of the Revs, and obviously, you know, uh, one of the one of the key goalkeepers for the U.S. You know, getting frostbit. People are trying to debunk it, but there's something about him not playing as of late. Hopefully, that's not an issue as we get to the next round. They're going to Azteca next week. Verharker Halter Verharker Halter picks the squad, and of course, Twitter goes nuts. Of course, we've got some issues with some of our guys getting banged up over in Europe. European play going to affect the squad. Serginio Dest out now with Western McKinney. Uh, somebody else took 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 a took a knock as well. So be keeping an eye on that. You know, obviously. Some tough work for the United States men's national team coming up in the coming week. Let's see here. Well, told you about PSG falling out of Champions League. Uh, fall was pretty brutal. Uh, the ultras defacing the grounds, booing Messi and Neymar every time they touched the ball. And of course, the soccer world went apeshit crazy. Calling PSG every name in the book, especially that we're just a small club. Well, let me just take a quick time out here and not let my bias show too much. But I will say this, being a fan, and the disappointment and the ridicule that PSG fans go through, I think they are entitled to blow some steam off. I don't think it should be like in the past where they've come to the grounds and have threatened players you know, uh, vandalized cars, not to that point, but booing and letting their passion be be uh, shown when they're disappointed, I don't have a problem with. Okay. Um, I thought it was kind of weird about Chelsea, you know, and all the things going on with them, you know, right? Obviously, the big cloud, lots of suitors, lots of, you know, right... Everything is in a state of flux with the situation with the Bombic and the whole Russian ties and blah, yeah. They wanted to play their FA tie with Middlesbrough with no fans. Obviously, even Thomas Tuchel thought that was kind of ridiculous after thinking about it for a bit. But it's still kind of a weird thing because nobody knows what to do. I mean, obviously, I know there's some groups from Asia. There's some people over here. I mean, it's obviously, they're one of the most prized clubs in the world. But yeah, they need to get that situation uh, solidified sooner than later and just get that black eye off the, off, off the plate. Okay, speaking of UCL... We close out the round with Atletico Madrid sending Manchester United packing. Cracks me up. Manchester United gets ran. Nobody says a damn thing. PSG gets ran. Everybody throws a party. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Oh, man. Chelsea took care of business. It was good to see Pulisic score a goal. Very good. Um, you know, I think it was 4-1. I think the big thing, kind of a surprise, another big club, Juventus getting getting knocked up by Villarreal and just melting down. And nobody said anything about that, the way they came down on PSG, who lost to a very credible Real Madrid squad. And the finalist just never gets, never, never ends. New EL, you got Barca, Lille, Leipzig, Atalanta, West Ham among those advancing 
over at SCCL. That's right, CONCACAF Champions League. A very, very tough week for the MLS. It wasn't all bad, but the meltdowns. I mean, obviously, the Rebs melting down and having a 3-0 lead and losing on penalties. Just couldn't find a goal and, couldn't, you know, and just really fell apart against Pumas. New York City almost falling apart, barely escaping its tie, going down, going, going down south, but being saved by away goals. Seattle took care of business. Oops, sorry about that, hitting the table again. But Seattle took care of business. I was pretty impressive as far as that goes. So we will have a MLS team in the CONCACAF final as New York City and Seattle will battle next week. And then you have uh, Pumas and Cruz Azil on the other side. Should be a lot of fun as far as the leagues go. City leads by four after an uninspiring draw at home with Crystal Palace. Liverpool does gain ground with a clean sheet on the road. CR7 was was really inspired by seeing Tom Brady and bags on the hat trick. What was it, like his 39th in his career? Crazy. He's had nine in the last couple of years. I mean, this guy still got, you know, got it. more so than Pessy, in my opinion, right now. Because Pessy looks a little washed. Don't believe he proves me wrong. Chelsea and Arsenal both post wins at home. Reds top Arsenal of the Emirates. Leads today rally from two down to get a big win over the Wolves. Big moment for Jesse Marsh. We're all pulling for him to do well in the Bundesliga. Byron just yawning. You know, they had like a 1-1 draw, but they're they're chilling in Champions League. They have a seven-point lead. Uh, Borussia Dortmund did get a big win on the road Wednesday over in Serie A. AC Milan and Juventus both get big wins on Saturday. They had Inter, Atalanta, Roma. All player draws, so that means AC Milan still leads by three in League One after the booze. And Boppy and company get an easy victory. And the world wonders what's next for the Capital Club, myself included. Defending champs continue to stumble with a 0-0 draw at St. Etienne. Lyon and Monaco also drop points. What does that mean? After a very tumultuous week, somehow PSG still holds to a 15-point lead in League One. Over in the MLS, a cauldron of fun over there for sure. Let's start out with LAFC in the 350 in the 3252 early Saturday morning, making the trip to South Beach. A lot of folks, LAFC supporters there. Not sure about Beckham's dumpster fire. Another listless effort from them. LAFC looking very good early. Obviously, Kim Hoon Han going back to Korea, which is kind of a surprise. But, you know, he wanted to go home. New York City got a big win over Montreal. You know, Montreal also stumbled in, in uh, SCCL. I forgot to mention that. Another meltdown. They should have advanced, in my opinion. Bob Bradley's crew continues to stumble. Second half surge by the crew. Sinks Toronto 2-1. Seattle building off of its Champions League success. Handed the Galaxy its first loss. Keep an eye on the fire. Every game they've played so far was just three on a clean sheet. The goalie they've brought over wants to have a clean sheet in every game, and so far it's looking well. It was nice to really see a fire get lit under the supporters there in the Windy City. That would be a great thing. Cool thing happened at Audi Field. 
as uh well no yeah do i have that right i mean am i getting ahead of myself no let's talk about speaking of a tough week for the revs how about real salt lake in the bitter cold and the revs whining about playing in the cold at home but the revs finding a way once again in the snow and ice to get a couple of late goals that was a big win keep an eye on real salt lake big fcc oh i'm always dogging Going to Orlando City and, and taking all three points. How about that? The Rapids stumbled from, you know, they stumbled at first against LAFC, but they're looking pretty good with a big win in Atlanta and now taking down Sporting Kansas City. Very impressive there. FC Dallas gets a huge win, taking care of Nashville City. Nashville City looking a little bit more. <sighs> I don't, they don't look as formidable, formidable as they did previous. Boy, having trouble with words. I must be enjoying those adult beverages a bit much, a bit too much. Philadelphia Union make easy work of the Quakes. Big surprise there, and uh, and the Verde looking good in those uniforms, coming into their match with Portland after posting ten goals. Come back to reality as Portland gets a big win. So there you go. Looking forward to a big win, a big weekend of MLS this weekend. We got LAFC in Vancouver. Got the Galaxy in a big matchup with the Sounders. So, you know, if you're not watching basketball, tune in. MLS needs all the viewers that can. Uh, we also had the Champions League draw today. Going to be an interesting matchup with Chelsea and Real Madrid. Looking forward to that. All right, folks, we'll be back with a closer look on the other side. All right, welcome back to Fox Regular Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 1, 97 overall. All right, it's time for our weekly rant, insightful commentary, and whatever else may come about as we take a look into things that have happened in the past week with a closer eye. Okay, let's talk about the NFL. And we'll get more deeper into the specifics in the next segment. But we I would be remiss if I did not have a few comments about the armchair GM season. I don't know about you, but I find this time of the year to be one of the more annoying times of the year. That's right. When the league year starts, free agency, legal tampering, and then Twitter and other social media platforms just get overwhelmed with all these folks who claim to know what teams should do, act like it's their damn money when it's not, go through all of this agony, uh, stress over things that are completely out of their control as GMs and front offices are going to make moves no matter how you scream and yell about how you'll be out if they don't sign this guy or they don't sign that guy. Or angry because somebody who has a no-trade clause in their contract does not choose your team. And you're, like, screaming and yelling at your team for, like, 
its shortcomings because you're not an attractive destination for whatever reason somebody may say, I don't want to play here. That's why my agent and I were able to broker a no-trade clause. So if I do move from here, it's going to be on my terms where I play next. And may, you know... Yeah, it sucks to you know to be the bride that doesn't you know to be the bridesmaid that doesn't get chosen, but that's life, folks. And like I said that the, the wrangling that people have, then I just wonder. I go maybe I guess I'm answering my own question, but it's like, don't you guys have girlfriends, boyfriends, and others other other hobbies instead of sitting back giving yourself ulcers about what front offices will do and then sitting there hanging, you know, by a second, waiting for someone like Ian Rappaport or Chef D to, like, drop some knowledge. And it was a crazy week out there, you know. My, you know, obviously, you know, the NFL has done a masterful job as far as being able to create excitement, you know, long after the last whistle of the previous season has been blown. And this week, obviously, you know, encapsulates that. But yeah, for me, the armchair GMs, it just gets to be so aggravating. And like when you hear them on call shows, and you hear them, you know, huff and puff like the like the big bad wolf, when you know their asses are going to be there week one, moaning and bitching as they always do. But, oh, I can't believe they let this guy go. I mean, like the whole thing with a certain player for a team that ended up was going to sign with a contender and then had a change of heart when his team that he's with decided, well, hey, we'll match that offer. And like all the screaming, like, I don't know if I can follow this team because it's so reckless. And it's just like, dude, let the process play out before you decide to do Harry Carey. That's just me. Call me crazy. Okay. Let's talk about the MLS again like we did last week. And this time we're going to focus more on trying too hard. Now, it was one thing when you had LAFC join the league and Galaxy, who is the standard bearer, creating El Travico. That rivalry, even though it was kind of forced, the way it went down in that first game with Vela and Salatan's entry to the MLS, yeah, right. You had a, you, you even had a sense beforehand this was going to be a good rivalry, and you didn't have to manufacture it. I know people don't like the whole El Travico nickname, but I feel like that's a legitimate rivalry. But this whole thing that they're trying to create with Atlanta and Charlotte, and that was a showcase game. I forgot to mention it a second ago because it was such a yawner, you know, with Atlanta losing late. I mean, with Atlanta winning late. To give Charlotte, you know, another loss, even though Charlotte finally got its first goal. But, you know, stop trying so hard. Let these rivalries be like, what should we call it? Battle for the crown? Battle for this? It's like everything does not have to have a rivalry. Stop forcing it. I mean, I think, as we talked about last week, the grassroots support that you're seeing in a lot of these 2.0 and 2.5 cities, it's genuine. You don't need to have this you know, artificial uh, hype machine. And that's what I kind of feel I, I saw a lot of with the way this game was hyped beforehand during the telecast. It just fell flat to me in terms of really trying to force a rivalry but it may not be there. Maybe it does emerge in the, on the field, you know, given the proximity 
you know, and, and the big crowds that are possible. You know, we talked about it last week in terms of what they've been able to do in Atlanta and what the potential may be in Charlotte. But let it happen organically as opposed to, I mean, you hit a home run with the, the L.A. thing, even though it was kind of artificial the way you pushed the roll it out there. But just given, you know, the great job that LAFC's did in creating a brand and identity, especially in the same market, you know, with the uh, league standard bearer as far as, you know, most championships won. Got kind of lucky there. Where this one, eh, you might be trying too hard, in my opinion. We'll, we'll revisit that. Okay. Lastly, spoke a little bit about this in the 43K view. You remember the whole hullabaloo last year? You know, with the whole white room when the girl from Oregon complained that set off this whole debate. And it was kind of interesting that, you know, some outlets decided to revisit that a year later. And, you know, there was some, well, I want to say window dressing talk in terms of how things improved. And, you know, and I believe the kind of talking points that were generated out of all of those bad images that came out, or at least, you know, the disturbing images that kind of showed what a raw deal the ladies were getting. You know, at the same time, I think it opened up a can of worms. And as we've talked about with NIL and the transfer portal and things that sort of are really tilted towards the sports that generate revenue. And so, you know, while I feel the awareness is there, there's a long ways to go. And I've been a would be remiss if I did not point out once again that variables have been added to the equation that I think achieving a level of, of you know, equal and fairness is going to be harder in the landscape as we're like, I don't know, I want to say ingesting new re uh, realities as far as how to, you know, process and govern college sports moving forward. And I think the whole Title IX thing, as we've been kind of celebrating with it being Women's Month, it's not going to be under fire, but it's going to be harder to, I think, enforce the spirit of, of, of what that's all about in, in a world that's going to be increasingly driven by profit. And like I said earlier, like with the Cavender twins, you know, if there's a situation where you're marketable like they are, but, you know, they're very good looking and have, you know, a certain appeal. But if you're not, you know, where do you fall in this landscape that's getting it, that's really about to, you know, be very lucrative for some? I mean, crap, we're talking about an $8 million deal, $2 million a year before you even play pros. All right, folks, enough about that. We'll come back with a huge NFL report and some TMCA time to get you out of here. Premier episode of season four 
a fox riding a foxhole with the NFL report. Ken Harlan here, your faithful host. Man, what a week it's been. Because the league week in earnest starts this week. First with the legal tampering and then the actual league week starting. Well, we start up with a very somber note this week that we just found out before the podcast started. RIP goes out to John Clayton, the legendary JC, the NFL insider, you know, award-winning guy. It was based out of the Northwest. Uh, you know, had one of the best ESPN commercials for sure, but just, you know, an encyclopedia of knowledge. Um, all the people who worked with them had nothing but great things to say. Our condolences go out to his family for sure. You know, the NFL lost, you know, a true friend. And obviously the journalism profession, obviously, you know, the fraternity of wonderful folks there. Great loss. Okay. So, where do we begin with this week? Last week was crazy. This week, just as crazy. So, the week starts as we all knew was going to happen. Brady ends his retirement. Okay. Yeah, he was kind of pressured into it. And what else is he going to do? Sit around the house with Giselle for a couple of days and the kids. Giselle's like going, dude, get you know what? Get your ass back to Tampa Bay and, and play ball. You're not going to be happy here. You're already bored. And you're seeing all this money and all this crap that people are talking. As you said, unfinished business. You can still play at a high level. Like the NFC, you know, is happy you're coming back. You know, the competition's like, oh, we got to deal with this guy. Great storyline. Hey, the world was going to fall apart without him. So, hey, welcome back, Tom. That's why I didn't go so crazy with my farewell because I didn't think it was over. Well, so, fast started up a frenzy. First with the Bills signing Von Miller and O.J. Howard. You know, it's kind of a footnote to that. But Von Miller getting his, his second ring with the Rams. Now on a search for the third one. Tried to be the ringmaster. Smart move for him. Bill's definitely tooling up a couple of the other acquisitions, even if they aren't happy that they were able to secure J.D. McKissick. As, hey, that kind of gives you a clue of the story I was telling you earlier about a team being pissed about somebody backing out of a signing. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? The Bills also get rid of anti-vaxxer Cole Beasley. So if someone's looking for a slot receiver... And is unvaxxed, and as long as we don't get into that crazy situation, Carson Wentz isn't vaxxed either, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the so the big story also then, you know, we told you about A-Rodge coming back, and we thought the whole deal was they were going to make money for Devontae Adams. But instead, Devontae Adams ends up being traded to Las Vegas and reuniting with his college quarterback, Mr. Carr, a first and a second this year. In 2022, he's gonna like basically. So we've been talking about the money wise. I think he's gonna end up making somewhere in the vicinity of 27, 28 million dollars a year. This is per a wideout. You know, that's mid tier quarterback money, but still, that's you know, that's saying something as far as the market goes. And there's just some a lot of crazy things going on in the market as far as the kind of dollars that people are making. I mean, there's so much going on here. We'd be, I'd be talking for the next 30 minutes. But that's huge. Five-year, $140 million deal. So Devontae, rocking it in Las Vegas. 
Kind of shocked that Aaron signed off and knew this was going to go on. And I thought that keeping the band together was one of the prerequisites for A-Rod wanting to stay in Green Bay. Apparently not. Going to be curious to see who they put around him, but he's getting the money, so I guess he doesn't give an F. So, the quarterback carousel. Well, gee whiz, the Watson file. First, it's Carolina, Atlanta, and the Saints. Cleveland shows up at the last minute. Cleveland's not part of the deal. Panthers aren't part of the deal. Needs more time to decide between Atlanta and New Orleans. And out of nowhere, Cleveland re-emerges at the end. Cleveland's giving up a boatload. Watson's going to get a five-year, $230 million deal. Basically guaranteed, making $46 million a year. Almost 47 apparently. Yeah, this is what an elite quarterback in his 20s, people saying if you all about getting the dude. In spite of the dude, and, you know, he's not going to be charged with anything, but he still has civil lawsuits. And we're still probably looking at a 8 to, to 10 game suspension, probably in spite of the pack. Because people, uh, you know, corrected me. Well, hey, he was paid last year. Like it was set out. So it was a little bit different. So there's still a penalty to come. I don't know how I feel about that, but he did get paid. So there are so going to be some. There's going to be a penalty, and it's probably going to be eight to ten games. But yet, Cleveland and the whole thing with Baker, because Baker is once they started flirting with him, he decided he wanted out, and it looked like it was going to be this awkward situation. I kind of felt they were going to trade Baker. Nonetheless, Baker says he wants to go to Indianapolis and replace Carson Wentz. But I guess I get the feeling Baker was going wherever Cleveland damn well tells him to, and. He's not in the highest standing right now is how teams view him. But nonetheless, Deshaun at some point is going to suit up for the Browns. Just lost Landry. OBJ already gone. Obviously gave up, gave up a lot of collateral to get him. So I don't know what kind of team they put around them, but the you know that that division all of a sudden looks a lot more interesting. Trubisky. Joe Barrow, <laughs> uh, Deshaun, I mean, and Lamar. Maybe he talks about the gunslingers in the AFC West. AFC, uh, great quarterbacks over there. Um, and, you know, got to give the Browns credit for kind of pushing back. But then again, you know, this was always in play. I and mean, a lot of people thought New Orleans and Atlanta would have been more suited, especially given the thinning of the quarterbacks in the NFC, but somehow, and he wanted to play in a warm city, but somehow, he ends up with Cleveland. That whole no sense makes sense thing, I suppose. I mean, and you know, it's kind of funny because you know, I was just talking about Adams making all that kind of money. So does that mean that receivers below him can probably start looking at 22 to 26 million a year? I mean, how is this sustainable? With the quarterbacks and receivers and all these guys getting all this fat money. I mean, the Jaguars spending money, you know, like drunken sailors, grabbing things and pieces that don't make sense. I know they had a lot of cop cap money, and now that they don't have Urban Meyer, they're trying to look to make a splash and get some pieces around Trevor Lawrence. But I don't know about some of these signings they've made. Obviously overpaid, in my opinion. And then when you suck, you have to pay the suck tax. You know, ask Washington about that. Captain Kirk, who's, who re-ups with the Vikings. You know, he's made $230 million, almost a quarter of a billion. 
you know, since the Redskins put him on back-to-back tax, give that him and his agent, you know, all kinds of awards for just getting it done. Hold on one second. A little adult beverage. Boy, it's getting a little scratchy here if you don't know if you've noticed, but yeah. Somebody who's been pretty much mediocre. So as I tell as I said on my Facebook page, Mama, don't teach your kids to be cowboys or anything else. Make them competent at quarterback. Because this guy, while not sucking, not being good either, a quarter of a billion dollars in salary and guarantees. Think about that. Um, let's see here. Other 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 notes of curiosity. Zach Ertz getting paid when teams were sniffing around. He got a nice fat three-year deal. Mr. Gallup getting paid in Dallas. About Russ telling the Denver media that I was cute with his family in Sierra and the kids all decked out and you know, the Bronco orange and blue colors, saying he believes the Broncos can win three or four Super Bowls on his watch. Don't be going all LeBron, man, and cashing checks you can't cash. I mean, cash, writing checks you can't cash. Shall we say, the adult beverages getting the better of us. Thank you for putting up with me, people. Love you all. Um, let's see here. Another thing I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know how true this is, but given the lack of activity from our folks up the road, up at Lumen and Seattle, the Allens and all those folks, they're, they're comfortable starting 2022 with Drew Locke. Do you believe that? I don't, but that's what the word on the street is. I gotta say, really, Pete? You're seeing something that Elway didn't? Yeah, keep an eye on that one, but once again, and there are some people still in play. Mind you, nobody's talking about Mariota, and I think Mariota could be a great fit in Seattle. Just me. You know, love the folks down here would love that and be able to make the, the road trips up the Lumen. So we'll see there. You know, there's still a couple of chips that could fall, but it's seeming that the dust is definitely settling. I mean, man, Watson going to Cleveland, that's just so crazy. Trubisky being in Pittsburgh. Right? You know, pretty modest deal there too, right? As far as the going rate goes. But, they're, you know, they're basically telling him, you need to prove it to us before you get paid. You know, where they think Wentz is a little bit more accomplished over there in D.C., and that's why his price tag was a little bit higher. Okay. Honey Badger status still up in the air. Thought he was going to Vegas. Not sure yet. Raiders also cutting bait with Mr. Deceit. You know, I thought that was a big deal until they signed Chandler Jones. In order to get a Chandler Jones, in spite of how you may piss the woke and, and, and the advancements for folks in, you know, the rainbow world, getting a Chandler Jones and, and making room for him, Sacrifices obviously had to be made. Not a surprise there. Um, another big move happening this week, apparently. The Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet are going to team up as far as Amazon's Thursday Night Football package. Big dollars there. The money they were going to offer Jim McVay, now I guess is going to go to Al and Kirk. It'd be interesting to see how they team up and if anybody actually watches. Okay, folks. It's time. That weekly trip where we hand out those stainless steel bowls of the smelly varieties for people whose actions or them just being themselves earn them some TMCA time. 
Um, you know, it's kind of light this week. A lot of soccer this week, oddly enough. Start out with the folks at Hellas Verona. Their fans being assholes with the racist chants. Shame on you. Big stainless steel bull for your efforts. Come on, people, knock it off. And you've had a history of that, so you get two. Um, the own fans the other night in SCCL, when they were playing, um, <coughs> excuse me, when they lost to Seattle, breaking out the Puto chant. I know they were frustrated. I know Liga MX teams never like losing to an MLS team. But come on, people, knock the F off already, okay? No need for that. Yes, we were talking about the Rainbow World just a second ago. No need for that. And, you know, it's one of these points, I don't know what you do. Me stopping the match and threatening to halt it. To me, the scenes we talked about last week, you're more likely to get someone like that if you're going to halt a match. I just think there's got to be some way we can find a way to get people to do that as opposed to, you know, just banning them outright. I'm not sure. How about the Galaxy supporters on a Galaxy night at the at um, Staples, the Kings were playing, getting into an embarrassing fight. They can say all they want about our supporters and other supporters, but come on, folks, this is a family event. I saw the video of you guys acting like a fool. You get a big stainless steel bowl and complimentaries for all the folks that were involved that are defending it. Come on, at a Kings game with a family event, getting all boozed up and causing trouble like that. Not good. Um... New York City Football Club and Soccer Twitter. First New York City Football Club for the poster-sized stamp banner they unfurled at Yankee Stadium. Now, I know Yankee Stadium's big, and all of the, even though this is a unique stadium, the history is still the history. Yeah, it's just a bad look. And then Twitter, Soccer Twitter is always overreacting. We just get, like, maybe two... XL stainless steel bulls for the whole thing. It's bad luck for New York City. The Divinity Champs. Been a lot of bad looks for them. Playing in Yankee Stadium's a bad luck. So we just give you one for a culmination of things. And soccer Twitter probably deserves one every week for overreacting, as they always do. I think we have to give stainless steel bulls to the jerks that broke into Paul Pogba's house while he was on UCL duty last week, you know, tormenting and Scaring his family. Big middle finger to you guys. And some stainless steel bowls so they can ever find you. And maybe if they find you, you know, make you Bubba's toys. Oh, well. I guess we shouldn't advocate for that kind of retaliation. But not, nonetheless. And lastly, I think we're going to go with Kyle Pitts. We're jumping the gun on Twitter. I was wavering about this, but no. You're getting, you're getting an XL. We're talking about, yo, it's about to get all scary up in here. And Deshaun ends up in Cleveland. I know you have the same Asian, but clearly you didn't know what the hell you were talking about. You tried to delete the tweet. And now that you were wrong, and Deshaun spurned rolling down in the ATL, getting those liver pepper wings and hating the club, is going to be applying his trade in Cleveland silly all the way around. Okay, folks. We struggled a little bit getting through here. We're a little bit, we were a little bit under the weather. Thank you for putting up with us. We're going to have a great season here. I'm promising that. This is just the first salvo. 
31 more to go, and it's going to get better along the way. Keep an eye out for developments on the stream. Got some other things that are in the hopper as well, as far as getting the FT INFX brand out there and making a name you know, for what we do or whatever the hell you want to call it. All right. Still be safe. Cases are lurking in the background. Enjoy the adult beverages. Enjoy the NCAA basketball all weekend long. Enjoy the beautiful game life. We'll see you in about six or seven days.